0: This morning we continue uh, a series of reflections upon the first letter of Peter which was written to encourage Christians who are living in places like Cappadocia which you see behind me middle of modern day Turkey that were not operating by a Christian understanding of the world Christian ethics norms expectations and today we consider not operating by a fullness of the truth we Have considered in this series how we're a people of living hope because we place our hope and the ways that that guides and directs and compels our lives in God and not in other things or other people, which can disappoint or fail us. We've considered how the natural outcome of our Christian faith, faith being defined not as just believing in Jesus, but believing Jesus, trusting Jesus enough to be and to do as he calls the natural result of that well-placed faith and trust in in the way of Jesus is salvation, not just a ticket to heaven someday, as though we're we made the exclusive list and others didn't, but as a force that is actively and always at work here in this world, the act God's act of restoring uh, all things to how God's intended intended them to be. We considered that as these lives of living hope and trusting faith start to take shape, we are those who prepare our minds for godly action. To, we are those who discipline ourselves to live by our faith and our hope and not by our fear. And we are those who seek to be holy, which doesn't mean that we're mo- morally superior or righteous better than anyone else, but we are aligned with God to the best of our ability in all of our conduct. This uh, morning, we hear three more descriptions of hopeful and faithful living. We are obedient to the truth. We love deeply and constantly. And we are born anew into new kinds of lives. Now, these are descriptions, not prescriptions. God doesn't demand that we do these or else. Rather, we become these with hope and with faith. And we notice that the author emphasizes that the first is the key to the whole. That is, the author says that only when the first is true, that we are people who live in obedience to the truth, that the other two descriptions then become true. So that first description, our souls are purified by our obedience to the truth. So a couple of weeks ago, we considered the pseudoscience of What the people at this time consider to be the soul, that life force within us that animates our actions and words, dictates our living. We affirm that when we have a faith, trust in Jesus and what Jesus revealed to be true about God and humanity, the natural result of that rightly placed trust is the salvation, the remaking, restoring of our soul. It's purified, as he affirms in this text, which is less about it used to be our soul used to be wrong and bad, And now it's right and good. Rather, it's more about it used to be unwell, divided, incomplete. And now it's healed. Now it's well. Now it is as God intended to be right now in this moment. By saying both that a foundational trust in God and Christ leads to the salvation, remaking of our souls, and that an obedience to the truth leads to the purification of our souls, the author marries faith in God with obedience to truth. We can't have one without the other. If we trust God, then we obey the truth. Because we have no reason to obey something that isn't true. We trust that what is actually really true is part of God's will for this world. If we obey what is true, if we, if we come to the conclusion that what is true is the thing which we will build our lives upon then that demonstrates a trust in God and not something or someone else. So the word obey in the Greek doesn't mean just believing a truth with our minds, but it means living in compliance with and submission to that truth in word and deed. If we live in obedience to the truth, not just knowing what's true in thought, but also ensuring that this truth is embodied in our words and deeds, decisions, actions, attitudes, then we're demonstrating our trust in God. We're trusting God with the unfolding of the world. We trust God to live enough by the truth, even if that truth is fearful. We trust it will all turn out well by God's design and not our own. But if we live in obedience to lies, half-truths, false-truths, and fears, then we're not demonstrating our trust in God. We demonstrate that we don't trust God with the unfolding of our days and all of our life together. Remember last week we considered how powerful those natural defense mechanisms are that have evolved within us all and how we have to gird the loins of our minds for godly action because these mechanisms can cut the mind out of our process of determining our actions and words when fear causes immediate reactivity and search of self preservation without any consideration for what is true. If we aren't careful, what we fear being true becomes the reality upon which we base our lives rather than the actual truth itself. And if we aren't basing our lives on what is actually true, then they are not lives of faith in God to guide and protect and lead. They are lives of faith in our fears or desires to protect and guide and lead. Their lives of faith in other people and other things because of the ways that they promise us that they can alleviate our fears and protect us and guide us into lives that are good. So on a small scale, this is our three girls fearing that there won't be enough cookies and fearing that their lives like won't be good and safe if they don't get a cookie neither of which is true, and what they fear is the basis of the reality rather than the truth itself, and this causes actions and words, competition, self-focus, antagonism toward the other. They selfishly race and clamor and steal and yell and fight over a cookie. If they instead would be obedient to the truth in that moment, that there are more than enough cookies, and more importantly that loving and seeking the well-being of their sisters over their own self is God's will for them and what actually makes for the most good and safe and meaningful life, then they would calmly help each other to cookies and then delight in sharing them. On a larger scale, this is people fearing that there won't be enough money, jobs, protection, status, privilege, etc., and fearing that other individuals or whole groups of people are making life unsafe or bad by stealing those cookies first. Making what they fear to be true the basis of their living rather than the truth itself. And causing actions and words of competition, antagonism, self-focus, actions and words of stereotyping, slandering, judging, scapegoating, violence. The Jews were not dangerous and out to ruin life for the Germans. That was not the truth. But the fear of it being true became the reality upon which so many awful words and actions were based and millions of lives were lost. If there had been an obedience to the truth, those lives would have been spared in accordance with God's will of peace. Women are not a lesser species than men. People of color are not lesser than white people. The LGBTQ community is not a dangerous and ungodly community. The poor are not poor because they're lazy or undeserving or morally broken somehow. And any attempt to raise their standard of living is not an attempt to steal from or ruin the lives of those who have more than enough. Refugees are not coming to terrorize, harm, or steal, but are fleeing real danger in pursuit of God's will of well-being for them and their children, just as God led the Israelites out of that dangerous place in Egypt and unto the hospitality of other nations. COVID vaccine does not cause brainwashing or sterilization or cancer, and asking people to wear masks to protect their neighbors in the middle of a global pandemic is not an attempt to destroy liberty. None of these are true, truth. And yet we can see all throughout human history where an obedience to what we fear to be truth is the reality upon which lives are built rather than the truth itself. An obedience to what we fear always leads us away from God and God's will of peace and toward antagonism, division, fracturing in this world. And obedience to what we fear seeks to silence the truth, at least to the slander and assassination of those who tell the truth. The banning of books and methods of teaching that reveal truth. Because we ignore our minds and we listen to our bodies telling us the lie that it's safer to be obedient to what we fear, rather than to make room for the truth and to trust God to lead us in obedience to it. something new. Obedience to fear always leads to division and fracture of the peace that God is seeking to bring. But the truth always leads to God and God's will of restoring all to peace. The end of oppression, subjugation, marginalization, exclusion, indifference to all manners of poverty and suffering of the other All of those things that we know are absolutely a part of what God is seeking to bring about and to do in this life here. None of that can happen where there is obedience to fear. Where fearful obedience to a legalistic religious code, fearful obedience to a strongman leader fanning the flames of fear of the scapegoated other, or fearful obedience to every thoughtlessly reactive self-defense mechanism. But here's the promise of this encouragement. If we place our hope and our trust in the right place, that fearful and misguided soul within us, which causes our lives to be oppositional to what God is doing, that soul is healed, it's purified, it's made well. We can and do change as people. We can and do overcome our fearfulness and start to live in obedience to what is God created and true. We can learn to see the world through a hopeful and trusting lens, rather than through a fearful and cynical one. We can learn to see that there are more enough cookies, and that the greatest days are found not in selfishly clamoring for cookies for ourselves, and then eating them hidden away from others, fearful of their competition. Rather, the greatest days are found in God's will and way of lovingly seeking to ensure that every other has cookies and then sharing them together in peace. We can learn to see that the greatest days are not found in fearfully and selfishly clamoring for wealth, power, privilege, and safety by seeking to put obstacles in the way of others, women, people of color, people of the LGBTQ community, refugees, people of other religions, etc. Obstacles in the way of them having access to what they need for a meaningful life. Rather, the greatest days are in lovingly including and seeking to ensure that each one has sufficient resources so that we can enjoy life together in a common well-being and peace. So we see then how an obedience to the truth naturally results in what the author says are these other descriptions of Christian life. Genuine, deep, and mutual love. Love being not just how we feel but our whole posture toward other people an intentionality for the sake of their well-being, regardless of their merit, without any expectation of what we get in return. Yes, as Christians, we are those who love our neighbor, but that's not really the choice to make. What we actually choose is an obedience to the truth. And when we do that, Choose obedience to God and God's will and what is honestly true about God's created world. The loving of the other is the the natural outcome of that choice. It just happens. And with the third description of the Christian life in this text, the author explains why the choice to be obedient to God and God's truth results in loving actions. And that's because we are born anew. We don't choose to be born again or born anew. We choose to be obedient to the truth and not fear, God and not the self. And when we make that choice, we are born into a completely different and new kind of living. The source of this life is the imperishable and eternal God of truth and not the fleeting idol of fear. Are we as Christians, those who are to love our neighbor? Absolutely, yes. Are we those who are to be born anew into a life that's guided, inspired, shaped, healed, forgiven, and restored by God and leave those old lives cultured by our world behind? Absolutely yes, but we cannot be those things if we are not obedient to the truth. Our obedience to fear, lies, propaganda, scarcity, self-preservation all lead us away from God and down dark roads of antagonism, isolation, segregation, violence, and sabotage that are antithetical to the gospel that work against and compromise God's work and will in this world of peace. But our trust in Jesus and his ways, that brings about the purification of our souls. And our obedience to the truth will always, always, always align with and participate In our commitment to serve the will of God made known in Christ. So, in what ways are we building the attitudes, actions, and words of our lives upon what we fear to be true? Not on the truth itself. How might our trust in God, God's plan for our lives and this world, how might our trust in God and not in our faith? bring about a restoration of our souls through our commitment to the truth, which in turn leads to lives of true goodness. We are born into a new kind of living based on love of other and as we leave our old lives of fearful protection of the self behind. Only the truth will set us free from the prison of our fears. And it is love that casts out all fear. With God's help, may it be so. Amen. And amen.